on WPXI Now. Good evening. I'm Albert Yoxenreiter. We have made it to midweek, and you know what that means. Halftime adjustments here on WPXI Now, and on one end, uh, we're joined by Chris Carter from DKPittsburghSports.com. Hi, Chris. What's up, Albie? Glad to be back, my man. And on this end, I'm glad to be back as well. Glad to be uh, talking about sports in midweek. And, hey, listen, we're inside two weeks to the opener. Uh, you can feel it. In fact, the NFL opener is a week from tomorrow night. So we are real close to seeing real football. And I can't tell you how great – I know you probably feel the same. I don't want to speak for you. But to be able to talk about football and to be able to talk about what we might see from the Steelers. And, and, and let's just start with that and the Steelers. The WPXI Steelers Training Camp Report, sponsored by SmailKia.com. I'm excited, Albie. This is a this is a this is so this is great for me because I've had to sit through since February and seen nothing. At least by this time, I've seen some training camp. I've seen some preseason. I haven't seen anything from the, from the Steelers so far. I am so excited to see them get back out there as well as see some 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 Division One college football taking on some people next weekend as, as, as well. Well, uh, let's talk about the Steelers' offense. And, um, hey, a lot of the attention, and with good reason, has been on the fact that Ben Roethlisberger uh, is returning from the injury. And by all accounts, everything is going fine. Uh, ben seems to be uh, feeling real good with where he is right now. And everybody else around him, like, they not only like him from a physical standpoint and coming back from that injury, but they like the fire in his eyes. And they like that competitive spirit that he's pushing. Uh, but let's talk about the offense in particular, including Ben, and why it might surprise. Well, absolutely. Here's the thing is that a lot of people are still downplaying the impact of the Steelers' offense this year. They look at the numbers last year, and it seems like a lot, of, especially people in the national media, forget that Ben Roethlisberger didn't play last year or forget that Ben Roethlisberger is, is a franchise quarterback who's been in the NFL for 16 years. It's insane to think that people are to, for people to say like, oh yeah, he's just not going to be good. I also think that people are highly underestimating the young talent at the, at the, at the skill positions that they have. James Conner as a running back one, if he's healthy, is a really good talent. He showed when he was able to play throughout most of 2018 that he was a Pro Bowl running back, almost had 1,000 yards rushing. Um, he showed last year that he could be effective in the receiving game. And, and again, with quarterbacks that wouldn't have been starters on any other team without, without, without injuries to starting quarterbacks like Ben Roethlisberger. Um, I think James Conner's in a really good place. Benny Snell is, is, is uh, they're, being, they're good, saying good things about him in practice. And Anthony McFarlane, even the rookie from Maryland, looks really good in, in practice. They're saying he's extremely explosive. I, I like what I'm hearing about him. But it's also the receiver position and the tight ends. Ben Roethlisberger has playmakers. That's the key here that I think everyone's looking over when they're talking about this Steelers offense. I, I, I've maintained this throughout the offseason. With the way the Steelers' defense is built and coming back off of leading the NFL in sacks for a third straight year, something that no team has ever done in the history of football, and leading the NFL in turnovers, we're looking at a situation where they could easily be the, a top five offense. That if they do things right, they could be the best or not a top five defense. They could be easily be or they can work to be the number one defense in the NFL. And if they're if they're in that range and the Steelers' offense is ranked 16th, 15th, 14th, anywhere in that range, that's good enough to make them serious contenders to make the Super Bowl. If this offense gets close to top ten, Albie that means they're going to be even more dangerous and, and they're going to be one of the toughest teams to beat in the AFC. 
I, I really like what the fact that people seem to be underestimating the Steelers because it's like, okay, you forget that Juju Smith-Schuster is the youngest receiver in NFL history to get to 2,000 yards. You really don't know how good Deontay Johnson is. And only the Steelers know how good Chase Claypool is right now because they're the only ones that have seen him in training camp so far. Hey, I agree with you, and here's why, Chris. Uh, the obvious reason is Ben Roethlisberger is back. Yes. And when, when the heart and soul of that offense and your leader, your quarterback, your franchise quarterback is back, um, then that's a, immediately a check. Okay, we have a check uh, in, on the list of reasons why they might be good. I love the receiving core. And before I get to the young guys, let's talk – well, the, the new guys. Let's talk about Juju with his quarterback uh, back in place. James Washington, Deontay Johnson. And then on top of that, you have an offensive line – uh, that I think could surprise some people. And on top of that, you have some good competition at running back, but you have a healthy James Conner ready to, to do what he has to do to offset the passing game. And on top of everything else, if you didn't even have a rookie class, I think this is an offense that other teams will have to contend with. But on top of that, you have Chase Claypool and you have Anthony McFarland. I believe uh, that this offense has everything it takes uh, potential-wise, to be a uh, not only a, a good offense, but a great solid offense that will uh, complement the defense that we know we're going to see. I agree. I think there's so many aspects to this offense that are interesting. Like you said, the offensive line, if David DeCastro, which we're being told that, you know, his his day-to-day -day injuries are just minor and that they're just kind of taking it easy on him, you got to hope that's the case because right now, honestly, he's the best player on offense. Uh, you know, I, I think Ben Roethlisberger is the most important, but David DeCastro is still an all-pro caliber right guard. He might be the best I mean, you know, highest ranked among his position in the, in the NFL among the offensive players the Steelers have. But you know, that offensive line, there's still continuity. There's still Pouncey. There's still DeCastro. Filer's moving to guard where he looked really good last year. They still got Villanueva. You're seeing how he's doing. But you got two budding tackles fighting for rights for right tackle in Zach Banner and Chikuma Okorafor. And either one of them can swing to left tackle and back up Villanueva if he gets hurt or if he's not doing as well. That's that that's a good thing to have. And Stephen Wisniewski, Central Catholic product right there, uh, local guy. He's a guy that can play center and guard. There's a lot of depth. There's a lot of depth and uh, versatility on that offensive line. And like you said, there's playmakers for Ben. Don't forget, Eric Ebron was added to, to this. To the uh, right, right, right. He, I'm telling y'all, he he was a he was a top ten pick in his draft for for a reason. He's been he's been an electric receiving type tight end that can get open. Yeah, Ebron's a great uh, a great point and, and a great guy that I missed when I was talking about all the weapons on offense and, of course, the confidence of having Ben back. All right, thanks, Chris, for those thoughts. We're going to be back with more as we continue with the midweek sports talk. It's halftime adjustments right here on WPXI Now. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. And for the record, Chris, let's just say that I always listen to our producer, Dean Pietro. Is that Would you back me on that? 
Oh, 100%. Everyone listens to Dean, even though it doesn't matter what he thinks. It's, we, we still listen to him because we love him. Yes, yes, we do. And uh, we're going <laughs> to pay close attention to everything that Dean is telling us. See, there is a voice. There is a voice that comes into this segment that others don't hear. <laughs> but it's there. The influence of Dean is there. All right, Absolutely. let's talk about Pitt football and Pitt's emerging talents. You know, a lot was made of, of the, the fact that they, like everybody else, had this very strange kind of an offseason with spring ball and virtual and all that other stuff. Um, when you lose a, a player like Twyman, uh, that's obviously a difficult, a difficult thing to overcome. But there's a lot of good stuff, and you talked about it last week, um, from Paris Ford and right down the list, uh, Kenny Pickett and all the other stuff that we know. There are a talent coming out from places that we didn't even expect with the Pitt Panthers. Absolutely. Uh, one thing that Narduzzi announced actually yesterday is that Pitt got a transfer wide receiver from Maryland, DJ Turner, who's an explosive type of, ret uh, uh, type of returner, and he's a guy that can be plugged in anywhere on the receiving field. That's going to boost a receiver room that already had Tazier Mack, who made the one-handed one touchdown catch in the quick and lane bowl at the last seconds that helped them win their bowl game last year. They, always had, they already had Shockey Jack Louis returning, guys that Kenny Pickett knew. But there's also a standout from Maryland, a true freshman receiver, Jordan Addison, who Pat Narduzzi has compared to Antonio Brown. And yesterday, Addison was, was, was talking. He was very confident. He, was, he seemed like he was really strong about himself. When asked who his rivals were amongst the freshman class, he didn't point to any freshmen. He pointed right to the, the Panthers' best player left on defense, and that's safety Paris Ford. He said that they've been going at it in camp and that that's helped him grow, and he thinks he's helping Paris grow. For a freshman to come in and get that kind of confidence, Narduzzi said he's already the team's starting slot receiver. That shows me a lot that they've got a young guy there. Other young guys, local product from Thomas Jefferson, Devin Danielson looks like he may be the replacement for Jalen Twyman at defensive tackle. That may be a very good sign as the, as the defensive front gets back Rashad Weaver and Keyshawn Camp off of injuries, and they still have Patrick Jones as another edge rusher. This defense is still going to be dangerous for Pitt, and they're seeing players emerge, including the cornerback position. They lost to Mari Mathis, but, but Pat Narduzzi feels really confident about the young players he has, redshirt sophomores, A.J. Woods and Marquez Williams. Both of those guys are making plays in training camp, and they're going to get to show, down, get to show off in the showdown with Austin P. next week on September 12th at Heinz Field at 4 p.m. Yeah, and, and when you look at the Pitt defense, uh, you know, a lot of returning starters and actually a couple more guys who would have been starters had it not been for injuries last year. So this is a very experienced group, a very talented group, and even with injuries and even with Twyman not playing, uh, this is a group that based on experience and the confidence that comes with that, knowing that you have guys that have been there, um, I, I expect big things from that defense. Absolutely. And part of that experience is the chemistry between these guys. When you talk to players like, like, uh, like Phil Campbell, who's one of the outside linebackers, the linebackers, they all know each other, Cam Wright, and, they're, and they're, they're working really well together. And they're mixing around their roles. You talk about the secondary, even without Damari Mathis. If, if Damari Mathis was playing, it would be Paris Ford and three seniors starting in the secondary. So the, the addition of a redshirt sophomore is going to bring some youth to that group. But they still have Jason Pinnock at the other cornerback position. He's a senior. They still got DeMar Hamlin, who's a very good free safety. And he talked about how him and Paris Ford talked to each other during the pandemic when they couldn't be around each other. And they were calling each other saying, hey, Paris, 
you down, we're down. We're gonna we're gonna do this season. They're excited to play together. They're excited to be back with the Panthers, and they were want they wanted to put on another year. Paris Ford notably held out of the draft last year, Albie. That was a big decision by him. And now, right now, going into the preseason, a lot of people have him as a top three safety in this upcoming draft class. He's going to get a chance to really in- improve that stock as the as the as the Panthers play through their 11 game season. I'm really excited to see what this team is able to do chemistry wise and how they're able to trust each other in big situations to help each other make big plays. Yeah, and, and we were talking about the Steelers earlier, and 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 the the you know if you're looking at the offense, then the defense, the quality of your defense also comes into play. It's the same thing with Pitt. You have a great defense that's going to help the offense. And if you have an offense that's led by an experienced quarterback like Kenny Pickett, it's going to help the defense. And I think that the, the, the two units that we're seeing with Pitt, I think they could play, play off each other and help each other to be better, um, if you know what I mean, going into this season. Absolutely. They need to find that balance. The, the Pitt offense in the, in the past three years has ranked anywhere from third to last to next to last in the ACC. They need to improve that number. They have to be scoring closer to 30 points a game. Back in 2016 under Matt Canada, they scored, they scored about 40 points a game. They need to improve, improve those numbers. But when it comes to this offense, one thing that, that's also helping is the continuity in the offensive line. Last year, they had a lot of guys that were playing together and still learning how to play together. Now this, this offensive line is led by Jimmy Morrissey at center, a guy who's a senior and a guy who knows what it takes to be a leader at the position. They have a big offensive tackle in Carter Warren who looks like he's ready to go. They've got, they've got continuity going across there. And they got guys that are willing to not only start at certain positions, but also move to others. In case, in case of injuries. I think that's really going to help running back A.J. Davis as far as, as far as him being a starter and getting, and getting more production last year. I liked what I saw out of A.J. Davis last year on, on, uh, um, on tape. I thought that A.J. Davis actually was a, was a decent running back. It's just that he didn't have any running lanes because, one, no one was too scared of, of Pitt's passing offense, and, two, the offensive line just wasn't in sync enough. But you saw that start to develop a little bit more as the season went on. Their first few games against uh, Power 5 team, teams from the Power 5 conferences, you saw them struggle in the run game. As the season continued, you saw that chemistry building. I think after all this time, Narduzzi said that they were, that especially the offensive line, when they couldn't meet with them, they were able to they were able to sit down, work on grease boards via Zoom, and learn a lot about what their responsibilities were. I think that that's a very good sign about where the offensive line's going, and that that will help the offense as a whole and balance the team. All right, thank you for that, Chris. When we come back, a little bit more to talk about. We never have a shortage of things to talk about. It's halftime adjustments. Chris Carter, Albie Oxenrider, back after this. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. Albie Oxenrider with Chris Carter. And we're going to get back to the Steelers just to talk about their player with the franchise tag designation this season, Bud Dupree. Uh, a, whether he's a linebacker, whether he's a defensive end, Bud Dupree uh, put up some big numbers last year and uh, looking for even better things this year. And do you think it, maybe it's worth asking the question, is Bud Dupree better than even he's being given credit for? And he's already being called a great player, but he could, could he be even beyond that, Chris? I think a lot of people are overlooking a few things about him, Albie. One, Bud Dupree 
hasn't been a bad player when he's since he's been with the Steelers. He's been a, he was a decent rookie that needed to recover from injury. As a second and third year player, he really started to develop. And then the past two years, he's really shown shown serious improvement. I remember in 2018, in Joey Porter's last season as coach, I remember Bud Dupree went on a bit of a tear for like three games where he looked a little bit better than before. When I asked him about it, he he told me like, oh, you know, Coach T just turned told told me to turn me loose. And when he said that, initially I thought, eh, that doesn't mean a big deal. But over time, then I saw, I understood why. Because Bud Dupree went from trying to play as your traditional edge-rushing defensive end style of play to being more of a, of a speed rusher. And that's what he was good at in the SEC. That's what he's good at right now in the NFL. And that's why we saw him get 10 and a half sacks last year. Joey Porter was, again, he was a traditional edge rusher that the Steelers were used to through most of the 2000s. When you think of Jason Gilden, Joey Porter, James Harrison, Lamar Woodley, Jason Worlds. All those guys are bigger three, uh, bigger like defensive end types that converted to, off to, to, to outside linebackers and were just edge rushers. Bud Dupree isn't that type of player. He doesn't try to strike with his hands and drive you back. He tries to strike you with the hands to knock you off balance, but then he rushes around you because he's so doggone explosive. That's the Bud Dupree that I saw last year. And also, even with that, he's been good against the run. People, people forget that when Jason Worlds was in town, he would give up his outside shoulder. Jarvis Jones would do the same thing. That would allow running, uh, running, running teams to be able to hook their, their shoulders inside and give them the edge, which allowed them to run outside of, outside of them more. Bud Dupree has limited that, not always, but a lot more consistently than the, than the linebackers they had in the past. Whether he's a linebacker or a defensive end, Albie, he's a true talent. And I think he's coming into how he actually likes to play the game of football, and he fits what the Steelers like to do. Because on one side of the ball, you've got T.J. Watt, who, who does everything. He bruises you, he bull, he bull rushes you, he rips around you, he swims around you. You've got two complete wrecking balls in Stephon Tewitt and Cam Hayward in the middle. That allows Bud Dupree to just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to work out in space. And if this offensive tackle is quick enough to get there, that's good for him, but I'm going to make him work. And that allows more space for the other guys to work as he's spreading an offensive line out with that kind of explosiveness. Bud Dupree is a lot bigger of a piece this year than people can imagine. I think that he's going to have a big year. The problem is, the only problem is, if he will get the numbers, because I see that T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, and Stephon Tewitt, all three of them are going to be among the top sack getters for the Steelers. You know, it might be a case of, Bud, when are you going to get the more, more sacks? Because they're getting to them so quickly. So we'll see how it plays out. But all in all, he's a huge asset for this defense, one that I think that is highly underrated by a lot of people. Well, and for clarification, as the franchise tag designation that he has – uh, he gets about $16 million, a little less than $16 million for being a linebacker. Uh, he filed that franchise tag uh, grievance uh, because the defensive ends get paid about $18 million, about $2 million more. Right. Uh, but, re but regardless of what he is, uh, he, he put up some big numbers last year. And I think in that case, if they can continue that momentum, sometimes having somebody like T.J. Watt on the other side can be your best friend. Um, that duo, that dynamic duo that they became last year, he would certainly like to continue that. Um, either way, I think that he understands um, his situation with his contract. He, he joked around that we talked to him on Zoom this past week, and he said somebody asked him about his possible uh, negotiations on an extension. He said, yeah, we were close to a two-year, $200 million contract or something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing. But he's having fun with it. Either way, he'll be paid handsomely this year. Uh, he deserves it, and, and I do think that, that to your point, uh, 
he will have a lot of guys on that defense who are racking up sacks, but I do think that he's uh, prepared to maybe break out even more. I think certainly, Albie, you have to look at just how good I think that it is that this is a guy who could have started a whole fuss. He could have sat here and said, no, I want my long-term contract. You know, I, he might have taken offense to you're putting T.J. Watt above me, even though I'm a first-round draft pick, too, and I was actually selected way, way earlier in my draft than T.J. Watt and it wasn't his. He, there's been no sense of any type of griping from Bud Dupree. He's understood what's going on. He's been a team player. He's come through, and he's played on the franchise tag and a fifth-year option without a future promise of a deal. That shows a guy that, that, that's really dependable and that the Steelers, the Steelers are, are, are really appreciative of. I think Steelers fans need to also appreciate that because if Bud Dupree wanted to sit out, if he wanted to cause problems, that would put a hole in the Steelers' defense. They would have a rookie starting at the other outside linebacker position and a much bigger question mark. But with Bud Dupree, he makes – he makes, the, he makes the fourth part of what may be the best, the best front four in football with him, Watt, Dupree, and Tewitt, or, or, or what, uh, Hayward and Tewitt, excuse me. But the four of them put together may make the greatest front four in football this season. We'll see if they can make a fourth straight year of having the most sacks in the NFL of any defense uh, for the Steelers. Again, that would be unprecedented. But I, I really look at this. This is a special opportunity. And if this is Bud's last ride, I think it's going to be a heck, of, a heck of a good one. Yeah, and a lot of a lot was made just on the on the subject of the defense overall. You know, a lot was made about Hargrove's exit, and you can't blame him for that. But but Stefan Tuitt, back from injury, uh, I think could uh, be in a position to do some big things as well. And uh, I, I think overall, this is a defense that uh, really, if you're looking at it, uh, you'd have to look real hard to find a weakness if everything clicks. Absolutely. I think you're going to, you're looking at a situation where do I pick on the several times pro bowler cornerback, Joe Hayden? Do I pick on Steven Nelson, who was one of the better cornerbacks last year and is highly underrated? Do I pick on Devin Bush, who's the top, who's a 10th overall pick? Do I pick on Minka Fitzpatrick, who was a first team all pro safety? So it's really slim pickings as far as where you're going to target. And if they start targeting one guy like the Terrell Edmonds, the Steelers can scheme protection around him and say, Hey, we're going to help him out. And then it's going to put you in there under more pressure. And all the time you're trying to find that, that four-man pass rush is coming after you. So I think it's going to be a great year. All right. Back with our final thoughts on halftime adjustments right after this. Back with our final thoughts here at halftime adjustments. Hey, uh, inside two weeks to real football. And uh, what are you working on at DK Pittsburgh Sports, Chris? Got a lot of stuff coming out. I'm doing a breakdown on DJ Turner and Jordan Addison, those two new receivers I talked about. I've, I've got a lot going on with Pitt. We're talking about what's going on with the Steelers. Got an offensive line piece I'm also working on that's going to be really interesting. It comes out later this week talking about the continuity that I mentioned on offense. Also, I really think Steelers fans, Pittsburgh Pitt fans, in 2020 has been a weird year, but Pittsburgh has always been known for defense and football. You're about to have two great defensive teams enjoy that return to normalcy and sticking to the old school here in football, both in college and in the NFL. All right. Penguins making some news. Sidney Crosby with a surgery and Cabrian Hayes with a big debut for the Pirates. Always lots to talk about. For Chris Carter, I'm Albie Oxenbatter. Thanks for joining us. See you next week.